0: Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher, Chris Hall. You know, we've been, uh, we've been doing a, kind of our, our B study, you know, be spirit-filled, be a person of prayer, be a good church member. We've been doing B bee studies on Wednesday night. Tonight we want to talk a little bit about be a witness and uh, I'm going to share with you um, a way that you can present the gospel to someone. Now, my favorite way of sharing the gospel with someone is by just telling them my story and, and giving them my own personal testimony. Now, that's a powerful thing uh, to be able for you to sit down with someone over a cup of coffee and say, I want to tell you how I met Christ. and tell them that story of when you were 12 years old and you were in church and that preacher preached that sermon and boy, it touched your heart and you knew you needed to give your life to Christ and you walked the aisle and shook that rough old hand of that preacher and you got saved and you were baptized and you've been involved in church. Yeah, you wandered from the Lord on occasions, but the Lord was good to bring you back to him. and You know, that. just sharing your own story is a powerful way of sharing the gospel. But that's not the only way of sharing the gospel. There are different kinds of, of gospel model presentations. And so tonight I'm gonna to witness to you. I'm gonna to witness to you using a gospel model presentation uh, that has been, been uh, taught uh, in Southern Baptist churches It originated with Dr. D. James Kennedy. Uh, who was a Presbyterian pastor. He developed something called evangelism explosion in his own church. And it was just a way of sharing the gospel of how to approach that conversation, either with a friend or with a stranger, of sharing the gospel. And how do you go about, you know, doing that? And, And how do you go about presenting the gospel maybe to, you, you have the opportunity to meet someone and you engage in conversation and the Lord lays it on your heart to share the gospel with them. Or you may be intentional. You have a, a family member, a friend who needs to be saved. And, and so you pray and you ask God to help prepare your heart to be able to go over there and to enter into that conversation, to share the gospel. And um, so one of the one of the, uh, the, the a little acrostic that you can use when you initiate a conversation with somebody, you know, maybe you don't know. Them. We'll, we'll assume maybe they're strangers, but God has laid it on your heart to share the gospel with them. And one of the how do you how do you start the conversation? How do you engage the congregation or the conversation? Well, everybody likes to talk about their family. So you said, Well, tell me about your family. How many kids do you have? Or if you're talking to a Mormon, how many wives do you have? No, I'm just, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, just, um, you know, and everybody likes to talk about, well, you know, I got three kids, I got you know, two grandkids or whatever. I don't have any kids, but I got eight dogs, you know, and three cats. And, you know, people, people love to talk about their family. So you, you start off, and this is how you, and that's a natural thing. You know, when you meet somebody, you want to know about their family, where you're from, your family, where you're living. Then, then you can kind of guide the conversation to their occupation. Well, tell me where you work. See, that's a natural flow. Family, Occupation. I, I, this is my family, and I work here. And, and so you're engaging in them. You're showing interest in them. And you ought not to be fake about it. You should be interested you know, in their family and where they work. That's a natural thing. And then you have, a, you have the religious question. See, what we're working with is an acrostic, F-O-R-M, form which is just a mental outline. I'm going to start this conversation by asking this guy about his family. Then we're going to, you know, I'm going to tell I'm telling him about my family. And it's not a one-sided thing. Tell him about my family. Ask him about his occupation. Tell him about my occupation. And then the R is a religious question. And usually you, 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 you say, well, when you go to church, where do you go to church? See, you're guiding the conversation, family. You know, when you go to church, where do you go to church? And they'll say, "Well, you know, I hadn't been in church in a long time, or I used to go to church, or." But they may say, "Well, I'm very active in so-and-so church, you know." And if they say that, they'll say, "Well, you're a Christian then. Tell me about how when you came to Christ." Say, and then if you're you know if they they present that message well i was saved back you know i we had a revival we had a ball-headed preacher boy he could preach that gospel <laughs> we had a revival he got saved and you know and and so you found out you know their their religious status that they're they're christians but maybe they say well you know i used to go to church but i ain't been to church in a long time and um You know, I hadn't been. And then I go to so-and-so and and -and so-and-so church. Then you can say, well, let me ask you this question. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Just going to ask you this question. Have you come to a point in your life where you know for certain that you have eternal life and that you'll go to heaven when you die? It's a pretty good question, isn't it? Have you come to the point in your life where you are certain that you have eternal life and that you'll go to heaven when you die. And sometimes you get a very honest answer. They'll say, no, I can't say that. Or sometimes they'll say, well, I hope so. Well, we don't have a hope so salvation, right? And, and so uh, then you can say, well, you know, the Bible says we can know for certain. We can know for sure that we have eternal life and we'll go to heaven when we die. 1 John 5.13 These things I have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Amen. And so we can know for certain. And then you can say something like, can I, can I share with you how you can have eternal life and how you can be certain that you'll go to heaven when you die? And then you can enter into that presentation. So you have that little, you have that little outline form: family, occupation, religious question, and then you have the message. And the message, of course, is the gospel. And I've used this this on occasions, and I've, I've used this in sharing the gospel with other people. And the, and the key is not you know not to be not to be like a telemarketer. You know, you got the package thing, and do you need your car warranty, you know, extended or whatever? You don't want to. You don't want to be like a telemarketer. You want to be honest, but but you have a way to initiate the conversation. F O R M, and and you want to be honest with them, and and then you know if they say, well, I hope so, I don't know, uh, no, I've never done that, and you, and of course you're always very kind, and you're you just say. Well, can I share with you how you can know that you can have eternal life and go to heaven when you die? And and see, here's the thing. While we're on the outside talking to them, the Holy Spirit's on the inside working in them, right? He's working in us and he's working in them. And he may have prepared their heart to hear our message. And most likely he has. If he leads you to witness to them, that means he's already there working in their heart for you to... To hear your message. And so I always start out, well, I got some good news for you. The Bible says that God has a purpose and a plan for every person's life. The God who made you. And the God who loves you. Here's what the Bible says about you. This is what the Bible says about you. That God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And that purpose and that plan is identified in the most recognizable verse in all of the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's purpose for you is for you to have everlasting life, eternal life. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for every person. God desires that none perish, but all come to repentance. And the good news is that God, God has a purpose and plan for every person. And that is that they might have eternal life, everlasting life, a life connected with him, a life lived in union with him. God's purpose is for every person to have a home in heaven. And that's God's purpose for every person eternal life cannot be earned or deserved it can only be received you can't earn eternal life you can't deserve eternal life there's nothing you can do you can't build enough up enough brownie points by getting doing stuff in the church to finally receive eternal life Eternal life is not something that can be earned or deserved. It can only be received. The gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So eternal life is a gift that God gives to those who trust in Christ. And eternal life, he said, well, what is eternal life? Well, eternal life is eternal. The meaning of eternal life is like two sides of a coin. Two sides of a coin. One side of eternal life means that you can have a full and meaningful life right now in this world. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. In other words, the Lord wants us to have a good life now. Not just when we die and go to heaven, but he wants us to have a good and full and meaningful life now. And so eternal life doesn't begin when you die. Eternal life begins the moment you give your life to Christ. God begins to do his, his, he saves you and begins to do his wonderful work in your life. And God doesn't, God doesn't want us to have a miserable life now. Why would God want us to have a miserable life in this world? You know, he wants us to have a full life, an abundant life, a blessed life. Now we live in a fallen world and we'll have our miseries. But eternal life doesn't, doesn't, it's not something that starts down there. It's something that starts the moment you give your life to Christ. Eternal life also not only means that God wants you to have a full and abundant life now. It also means that he wants you to go to be with him in heaven when you die. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and to receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. So that's the good news. God has a purpose and plan for your life. He wants you to have eternal life. Jesus came into this world to make it possible that you might be saved and you might have eternal life. And when you give your life to Christ at that moment, you receive eternal life. By the way, it's eternal life. It's not until you sin so much you lose it life. It's not a temporary life. It is eternal life. And the Bible always speaks of eternal life as a present reality that will never end in the life of the believer. The moment you give your life to Christ, you receive eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And God blesses you in this world. And he also has a home for you in heaven. That's, that's, the, that's good news, isn't it? That God loves me and he cares for me. And he wants me to have eternal life. That's the good news. But here's the bad news. The bad news is we all have a problem that has to be solved before we can receive eternal life. God wants us to have eternal life, but there's a problem in our life that's got to be handled, got to be solved, got to be resolved before we can receive the eternal life that God wants us to have. And that problem is the problem of our sin. Because our sin separates us from God. And that's an issue. That's a problem that has to be solved before we can receive the eternal life that God wants us to have. The Bible Bible says we're all sinners by nature and by choice. In other words, we're born with a sinful nature. We're born with an inclination towards sin. And when we get old enough to know better, we choose to sin. You were born with a sinful nature. And God, out of his grace and mercy, overlooked all that stuff until you advanced in age and on to the point to where you understood what sin was and you chose to sin. We're sinners by nature and we are sinners by choice. So we're sinners. Because God is a holy God, a just God, he has to punish our sin. And the punishment of our sin is eternal separation from him. Sin is serious with God. It's not serious with people today. People laugh at sin, make fun of sin, make jokes about sin, celebrate sin. But if you read what, in the Bible what God has to say about sin, he takes sin very seriously. Isaiah 59:2, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear you. Romans 6:23, the wages of sin is death. And that means eternal separation from God. And so God wants me to have eternal life. He wants me to have a good life now. He wants me to live with him forever in heaven. But I've got this problem. And this problem is my sin. I'm a sinner by nature. I was born with a sinful nature. You know, it's always amazing all these newborn babies and people look. Like, oh, so beautiful, so lovely, perfect child. And about a year later, that perfect child's walking, another hit a kid upside the head to get, take a toy from him. That's a sinful nature. You don't have to teach a kid to misbehave. Can I get a witness? Right. You have to teach a kid to behave. Why is that? Because that little rascal's born with a sinful nature, and it got that that child got that sinful nature from mama and daddy, which got their sinful nature from their mama and daddy, which got their <laughs> sinful nature from their mama and daddy, and right on back down the line to Adam and Eve. So we're sinner, but get, see, but God doesn't. God doesn't condemn us for our sin, our, our, our inherited sin. You know, if a kid dies and doesn't know, doesn't understand, that child goes to heaven, that child's covered by grace. But when that child gets old enough, a person develops to the age of accountability. Y'all ever heard that? Age of accountability. Where they know, where they willfully choose to sin. That's when God begins to hold us accountable for our sin. And so God wants us to have eternal life, but we got problems sin. We cannot save ourselves from the punishment of sin. There's nothing we can do. Salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. So God wants this for us, but we got this problem. And we can't do anything about that problem. We can't undo it. We can't pay for it. So what am I going to do? How is my sin problem going to be solved so that I can have eternal life? The eternal life that God wants me to have. Well, I couldn't do anything about my sin, Ah, but God did. Amen? Amen? Here's God's provision. The good news is that in spite of our sin, God still loves us. And He has provided a way that we can be saved from the penalty of our sin, Reconcile to him and receive eternal life. And God provided that way through the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is God who became a man. Jesus lived a perfect life. And then he died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. He took our sins upon himself. And he accepted the judgment of God upon himself for the sins we have committed. He died for us. He stood in our stead. He's the just who suffered for the unjust that he might bring us to God. And so when Jesus was on the cross, God laid on him all of our sin and all of our guilt. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And in some way we'll never understand. Some way we'll never comprehend. Jesus took our sins upon himself. He qualified himself as a sacrifice by his perfect life. He'd never sinned himself. And then on the cross, during those six hours, the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus for our sin. He died and then he rose from the grave. The resurrection from the dead of Jesus proved that his death on the cross was acceptable as a payment for our sin. Jesus was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Romans 4.25. And so God wants me to have eternal life, but I've got sin in my life. I can't solve it. But God did. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to make it possible that I might receive the eternal life that God wants me to have. And it's only in Jesus. And so how do I respond to that? Well, the only way Jesus can affect our life is if we receive him as our Savior and Lord. For me to receive the eternal life God wants me to have, I must receive Jesus who died for my sins as my Savior and the Lord of my life. As many as received him, to them he gave power to become the children of God, even to them who believe on his name. And so how do you receive Jesus? First of all, you repent of your sins. Repent ye therefore and be comforted that your sins may be blotted out. Repent and turn to God and do works which give evidence of repentance. I receive Jesus by first of all acknowledging that I am a sinner. And repenting of my sin. Asking God to forgive me of my sin. Repentance is more than just feeling sorry for your sin. It means coming to God, confessing to God that you're a sinner. It means seeking his forgiveness for your sin and seeking God's help for you to turn away from sin. Second of all, we place our faith in Christ. By grace, you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Faith is more than just believing the facts about Jesus. Faith is believing the facts and trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone to save us from our sin and trusting him in him and putting our faith in him and third we must surrender to Jesus as Lord did you know the Bible never says receive Jesus as your Savior now he is the Savior he's proclaimed as the Savior he's presented as the Savior he is the Savior but the invitation to believe in Jesus is never an invitation to receive him as Savior In the Bible, it's always an invitation to receive him as Lord. The Romans road to salvation. How many people walk that road? Romans chapter 10 to receive Christ. Listen to what it says. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You receive the Lord Jesus. Receiving Jesus as Lord means that you give him control of your life. You believe on him as Savior. You receive him as Lord. And so God wants me to have eternal life. I've got sin. I can't do anything about it. But God did. He sent Jesus. Jesus died on the cross, rose again. Jesus, the Savior and Lord, for me to have eternal life, I must receive Jesus as my Savior and the Lord of my life. And I do that by repentance and faith and surrender. And the Bible says when a person does that, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved <clears throat> and when a person does that when they come to Christ and they do that then at that moment they are saved they are saved at that moment the, the work of redemption is, is accomplished at that moment they receive eternal life and, and they are saved finally, fully and forever forever and we begin to walk with the Lord. And yeah, the Lord has to whoop us every now and then. Has the Lord ever whooped y'all? He whooped me on many occasions. know, and, oh, and he keeps us in line. But his goal is to help us to grow and advance in holiness and maturity as Christians. That's one way you can share the gospel. I've shared it. And it's a fun way, too. It's a fun way to share the gospel. Now, sometimes people say, Yeah, I, is there any reason why you're not willing to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord? And sometimes they'll say, Yeah, I want to do that. Sometimes I will say, No, I want to think about it. It's all right. You know, you have to, you have to, you can't make somebody be saved. You know, if you can make somebody be saved, there's a whole list of folks I got that I'd go get them tonight and I'd, I'd make sure that's. Well, what if they say, I want to be saved? Yes, I want to be saved. Well, I say, well, look, I'm going I'm to lead you in a prayer, but it's got to be your prayer. It only counts if it's your prayer. It only counts if it comes from your heart. But I'm going to help you to voice this prayer to the Lord. But you've got to mean it. If you don't mean it, it don't count. But I know you don't know, you know, maybe how to pray, but I'm going to help you to pray. and You can help them to pray something like this. Oh, God. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. And I need to be saved. And I know I can't save myself. So right now, once and for all, I trust you, Lord Jesus, to save me. I believe you died on the cross and rose again to pay the penalty of my sin. Please come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Make me your child. I give you my life. I receive you as my Lord. And from this day forward, I will love you and live for you as you give me wisdom and strength. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truth for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe and may God bless you.